Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. See it, hear it, think it. Talk radio and talk TV. Good morning and welcome to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. It's Monday morning and it's the start of yet another absolutely blockbuster week here uh, at the centre of common sense, the home of the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Because believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, the Tory party hasn't yet finished killing itself. The Tory party has yet to completely and utterly defenestrate itself, throwing itself on the fire, hurling itself off a cliff, lemming-like. Tory MPs, even as we speak, are plotting to get rid of Liz Truss, the very woman that they put in charge after they got rid of the last Prime Minister, Boris Johnson. She was the one they wanted. Apparently now she's the one they don't want. People are now wondering whether she'll actually make it to the end of the week. Jeremy Hunt has been brought in as Chancellor. It happened on Friday afternoon, uh, shortly after we left these premises. It's an extraordinary state of affairs. A country governed by an organisation that literally could not organise a tiddlywinks game between two people. Forget about chess, forget about drafts, forget about checkers. They couldn't even organise a game of tiddlywinks. Absolutely horrendous. There are people plotting against the plotters. There are people plotting against those who are plotting against the plotters. There are people who are plotting against the people who are plotting against the plotters before they even started their next plot. I mean, clot, I think is a better word, if you were looking for it. Um, Whatever happens today, uh, the markets will dictate what happens next because this country is now firmly in the grip of the money men, firmly in the grip of those who decide whether it's a good idea to sell or to buy the dollar, depending on whether their kids are going to go to private school uh, or whether they're all going to end up uh, with a cholesterol overload uh, and find themselves in hospital because they drank too much champagne and ate too much caviar. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the reality of where we are. We will be talking to Anne Whittacombe this morning, a former government minister who must be absolutely staggered by the ineptitude, uh, the inconsequential nonsense going on behind the scenes. Liz Truss's press conference, as we said on Friday, was an absolute joke. Complete nonsense. What on earth did she think she was doing? The fact that Jeremy Hunt is now effectively running the country, a man uh, who couldn't even run the NHS properly, is extraordinary. He will make some kind of statement at 11 o'clock. We don't know what it's going to be. We don't even know whether he's going to do it in person. We don't know whether he's going to pre-record a video. Literally no information is coming our way. Amazing. Meanwhile, there's a couple of bozos from Just Stop Oil who have clambered up to the top of the Queen Elizabeth Bridge at the Dartford Crossing on the M25. Uh, They say they'll stay there for as long as they can be there. Well, good. Leave them up there. But open the crossing. Let people actually drive under them. 
If they fell off, it would be their own fault, wouldn't it? For heaven's sake. Uh, we're also going to be talking about who funds these idiots, right? Because it turns out there's quite a lot of very wealthy billionaires, particularly in America, who are actually paying these people to do what they do. At the weekend, they held up traffic all over the place in London. They spray-painted the Aston Martin showroom in Park Lane. I mean, really? Is this the best you've got, guys? Absolutely ridiculous. Uh, people doing half-term work and getting paid well for it by billionaires who have made most of their family money, bizarrely, from oil. <laughs> uh, we'll also be talking about what's wrong with the Metropolitan Police this morning. Front page of the Times, sex pests and racists avoid the sack. If you are a sex pest or a rapist, I've got a good job for you. Go and join the Metropolitan Police. They'll welcome you with open arms. Brilliant. Fantastic. They say lessons haven't been learned. There's more people with criminal records in the Metropolitan Police than there are currently in prison. Unbelievable. Also, of course, we'll be talking about this. My pet hate of the day. Princess Diana, front page of the sun, crown Diana crash outrage. Let me ask you one question. Prince Harry goes on and on and on about how people desecrated his mother, about how the paparazzi chased her to her death, about how photographers made money out of her image, right? He's getting paid $100 million by Netflix, the same Netflix that is making money out of his mother's death. How does that work? People say she's gone. they've gone too far because it now turns out that it's, uh, they're going to make an episode about the crash, her final days. It's going to be grisly. It's going to be true to life. How the hell can Prince Harry even countenance taking money from the same organisation that is making money on the memory of his dead mother? How disgraceful is that? 0344 499 1000. This is the Independent Republican Mike Graham. Let's get it on. As we said, Peter Hitchens is here, of course, as well. He will be reacting to Jeremy Hunt's statement. Uh, we'll also talk to Mark Littlewood from the IEA. But for right now, let's say a very good morning on this very, very beautiful Monday in autumn to Anne Whittacombe. Anne, a very good morning to you. Good morning to you. Uh, I can scarcely believe what's going on, Anne. You must be looking as a, as a Tory, as a Conservative, as a former minister, absolutely aghast at what they're doing to themselves. Well, I am totally aghast. First of all, I'm aghast because there is now nobody offering a truly conservative agenda. Now, mm. whatever the faults may have been, and they were pretty mammoth in the presentation of that mini-budget, the uh, the philosophy behind it, low tax, low spend, uh, was right. There's now no party offering that. We've got a choice between a party that's pale pink and a party that's deep red. Uh, and there is no, there is no conservative party left. Nobody who's offering a genuinely conservative mm. Agenda. And how is it possible, by the way, that a woman gets elected, Liz Truss, by the majority of the party, because that's the way the rules work, and then because of the fact that she got elected due to her fiscal plan and her fiscal policy, which was to raise uh, a growth and to drop taxes, that that's all now been reversed, and they now want Jeremy Hunt in charge, or they now want somebody else like Rishi Sunak in charge, when that wasn't the way the party voted. No, and of course, the crucial thing here is <clears throat> that it was the members who voted for a conservative agenda, who voted for uh, lower tax, try and in, uh, attract investment into the country, uh, go for growth. That was what the Tory membership voted for. Uh, and now the parliamentary party is mutinying against that. Um, and, you know, if call, you call them lemmings, Frankly, that's an insult to rodents, to the intelligence of rodents. I mean, what these people are doing is guaranteeing losing the next election because they cannot keep their nerve. 
as soon as the press and media go into overdrive about something, the parliamentary party puts its hands up and says, oh, we must play their game. We must play their game. We must go into reverse. For heaven's sake, keep your nerves exactly. idiots. Exactly, because whatever um, the, 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 sort of the, the slings of outrageous fortune from the media uh, or from inside the Tory party or even from the opposition, you know, if you believe in something, surely you stick with it. But, I mean, people said before she was elected that Liz Truss's strength was that she was adaptable, that she could change her mind. Well, we didn't expect her to change her mind every couple of hours. Well, let's face it, she hasn't changed her mind. She's been forced uh, into a change by... Uh, as I say, a parliamentary party that has no idea how to keep its nerve. I mean, it is ungovernable. Mm. The Conservative Parliamentary Party is ungovernable. And I cannot see how they are going to win a, a, a general election when this is their reaction every time something goes badly wrong. And the fact is, between now and the next general election, no matter who is leading them, something's going to go badly wrong because it always does. Yeah, but I mean, the worrying thing for Conservative voters, surely, Anne, is that not only will they destroy their own uh, legacy, but they will destroy the Conservative Party completely. I mean, there are people now calling this uh, station, this TV station uh, and radio station every single day saying, we've always voted Conservative, we're never going to vote for them again. Well, I feel very much in the same position. I do not know what I'm going to do at the next general election. I'm certainly not going to vote Labour, forget that, and I'm not going to vote Liberal. Uh, but I don't know what I'm going to do uh, because, as I said right at the start of this interview, there is now no Conservative agenda on offer. We've just got a paler version of the Labour agenda. Uh, and that makes it very difficult indeed uh, to know what to do. But what I do recognise and what you cannot get the Parliamentary Party or indeed the press and media to recognise is that whatever may be prevailing today, is not necessarily going to be prevailing in one or two years' time. Things mm. change, other things become important, agendas move on. And if only they could keep their nerve when something's going badly, the agenda will move on and there'll be different issues. And it may be that come the next general election, we've all got a good reason to vote Conservative. I don't see it at the moment. No. And what sort of a bizarre uh, arrangement currently is now in place in Downey Street where you've got Jeremy Hunt, who didn't vote for Liz Truss, uh, you've got Liz Truss, who doesn't really like Jeremy Hunt. Uh, supposedly, uh, they haven't said they're in lockstep. Let's hope they don't use that word again. Um, nobody really knows who's running the country. He's making a statement at 11 o'clock. Is she going to be there with him? Probably not. We don't really know. Well, ask yourself this question. Um, if Jeremy Hunt wanted to do something with the economy at the moment and the Prime Minister opposed him, who would win? The answer is Jeremy Hunt. Yeah. So that's your answer to who's running the country. Right. So what would have been the process by which she decided to bring him in? I mean, seemingly she's got only bad ideas. Every single time she has an idea, it seems to be the wrong one. Well, I don't think she wanted to get rid of Kwasi Kwarteng. I think she threw him overboard because she saw it uh, as the only way of staying in the boat herself. Um, I don't think she really wanted to get rid of him. I, I can't believe she ever wanted to, to have Jeremy Hunt. Uh, and uh, I think what she was doing was asking herself the question, who will be acceptable to the party as a whole, by which, of course, she means the Conservative Parliamentary Party. Yes, but Jeremy Hunt in the Conservative Parliamentary Party and in the party in general is not particularly popular. You know, I mean, when he stood against Boris Johnson for the leadership, uh, he barely scored about four votes, I think. I mean, this is not a popular guy. He doesn't have a great track record. He's, he's universally renowned as having screwed up the NHS when he was in charge of it as Secretary of State for Health. I mean, where does he get to be given this kind of rather fake identity as a success? 
Well, first of all, I, I, I don't say too much in Jeremy's favour, but I will say in his favour, I don't think he's screwed up with the NHS. Anybody who takes on the NHS is always going to run in, into huge difficulties. Ken Clark did back in the 80s, uh, but he stuck at it uh, and his agenda prevailed. Uh, and I think that that is the lesson you have to stick at things. But to go back to your essential question, which is, well, Jeremy Hunt isn't popular in the parliamentary party. No, that's quite true. Uh, but it is also true that they are looking for somebody um, who's got some sort of record in government um, that could possibly appeal to both sides, maybe because he isn't liked by either side. No. Look I've, at that I've, conundrum. It's well, quite possible. Well, well, that's possible. But, I mean, where do they go from here, Anne? I mean, people are now speculating as to whether Liz Truss can actually last out the week. I'm not sure she can. I don't think they want to call a general election. But almost anything is now possible because there's now a plot against the plotters who are plotting to remove Liz Truss. There's another plot going somewhere else over there uh, about trying to stop Jeremy Hunt from becoming the Prime Minister. I mean, there's plots everywhere you look. Yeah, and you've got to ask yourself this question. Just suppose Liz Truss does go this week. I hope she doesn't. I mean, I hope, you know, that the party recovers its nerve, but that's not likely. Uh, but suppose Liz Truss goes this week, then you've got to ask yourself, another prime minister comes in. When things start going wrong for that prime minister, what do they do? Do they immediately throw him, him or her overboard and start again? You know, they've got to get out of the habit of believing that the way you resolve a problem is to defenestrate the leadership. Mm. And until they've got that into their heads, um, and the quality of MP at the moment is just appalling we need older wiser steadier hands on the tiller exactly right oh three four 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 nine nine one thousand is the number we're talking to Anne Widdicombe uh scarcely believing like me what is actually happening inside of Downing Street and at the heart of government coming up uh, we'll have more from Anne and we'll hear from Joe Biden as well uh, who is cheeky enough to throw his two halfpennies worth in over the weekend as well this is Talk TV Talk Radio Reach for the story. Radio with grown-up opinions. Don't get angry. Get on talk radio. The home of common sense. Nationwide, by your side, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Um, Terry in Ramsbottom says, make Anne Winnicombe Prime Minister immediately. Uh, well, Anne, I mean, there's a lot of uh, love coming your way because you do speak uh, in a way that we don't hear people speak these days in politics. You speak with, with uh, conviction. You speak firmly. You know what you want. You know what you want to do to get there. Uh, we don't seem to have anything like that from Liz Truss. Let's have a look at what even Joe Biden, the world's most ridiculous president, had to say about things this weekend. The only one that thought it was a mistake. And, uh, the, yeah. But, but I, I think that uh, the idea of cutting taxes on the super wealthy at a time when... Anyway, I just think... I, I disagree with the policy, but it's up to Great Britain to make that judgment, not me. It certainly is up to Great Britain to make that judgment. Very unusual for a US president to get involved in the sort of nitty-gritty of uh, domestic affairs, isn't it? Uh, this one's always uh, poking his nose in. Um, I, I don't think he's altogether with it, frankly. No, I don't think he's altogether with it. I wish he'd stick his nose out. And plus, his economy's not going brilliantly either, but that's another story. So tell us about what you think is going to be the driving force behind what happens next, because there's several groups, it seems to me. Lots of MPs have put in letters to Liz Truss asking for her to resign. Um, I don't think anybody really believes that the 1922 committee is going to have another leadership contest, but do they really think 
that the best idea is to kind of get rid of Liz Truss, force her to resign, and to then just appoint somebody as Prime Minister? Well, the worrying thing is that, yes, that appears to be at the moment what certainly a fair number of them are thinking. I mean, I don't know what thinking throughout the parliamentary party is. Uh, but as I've already said, you know, whoever uh, takes over, if somebody does take over from Liz Truss between now and the next general election, whoever takes over is going to have exactly the same problem. It's an ungovernable parliamentary party. And uh, now we saw Labour go through this and we saw what happened to Labour. They were 18 years out of office. Yeah. Maybe the Tory party could learn from that. Well, the Tories were out of office a quite considerable period of time after Tony Blair came in in 97, right? Because they had lost the plot then. But it was nothing as bad as this. I mean, this is on an epic scale. Uh, it is on an epic scale, but actually, you know, it, although it's easy to forget now because we were in opposition at the time, the Conservative meltdown after 1997 uh, was, was even worse than this because mm. we believed that, and, and that there are certain similarities, we believed that we had to throw out all uh, the babies with the bathwater uh, and we had to change completely despite the fact that we have had four consecutive terms in office the opposition had actually adopted our agenda in order to win despite all of that we went into a blind panic that's what's happening now it's a blind panic throw everything out yeah exactly right because uh, we had a whole history of people many of them although michael howard seems to have disappeared he was your old uh, sort of adversary uh, william hague's always popping up in the times with his view of what they should do you know it's almost as though they've forgotten how useless they were well, I mean, you know, when you say how useless they were, uh, both of them uh, had their faults, both of them had strengths, but what was useless was the parliamentary party that finally got its act together. Mm. Now, you know, it would be something if we could get our act together, if the parliamentary party could get its act together before rather than after it loses the next election. That's the crucial thing. Mm, absolutely right. Let's talk a little bit about the migrant crossing problem. Uh, there's a story out this morning that says British taxpayers spent £1.2 million on translators for suspected Albanian criminals last year. Now, uh, people will say, well, why are you linking up with the Channel Crossings? Well, I'm linking it because an awful lot of Albanians seem to be coming here uh, on these little boats from uh, Calais uh, because they've been thrown out of the country once for committing crime and now they're coming back illegally and claiming asylum. Yeah, and then the, uh, the bleeding heart liberals will tell you that the only reason that people come here across the Channel is because they speak English and they want to be in a country that speaks English. Yes. And then, of course, the truth comes out. We're paying a sweet fortune for translators. Now, the only way we're ever going to get on top of this problem, I know I've said it before, but I'm going to say it again, is if we detain in secure reception. Oh, we're just losing you there for a moment. All sorry, Karen. Asylum seekers. So that we. No, I'm sorry, have you lost me? Yeah, no, um, you're back. Ah, right. Uh, I was saying we need to detain all new asylum seekers in secure reception centres so that we know where they are. We can check things quickly. We can then turn them round uh, and uh, send them home uh, if we know where they are. The big attraction of coming to Britain is that it's so easy to disappear. And that is the problem, isn't it? But the fact is, we have now got a new Home Secretary. I mean, people say we've got four chancellors in as many months. Uh, we've had quite a lot of Home Secretaries in as many years, I would say. Um, Suella Braverman talks a good game, but they all do. Pretty Patel talks a good game as well. Uh, have you got any faith in her to actually push this through? Well, I'll have faith when they come up with a policy and then actually implement it. Now, I think the Albanian policy w was good because the country can take back its, its own nationals. Uh, I think the Rwanda policy is good, but it was always going to run into problems at law. 
Um, I think you've got to have something which you can do instantly and practically and demonstrate. Mm. And when would be uh, migrants see people being removed by the plane load every day? That is when the message gets home. Until that happens, they can talk, talk and talk. Yeah, exactly right. Final um, a point I'd like to raise with you is these Just Stop Oil maniacs. Um, we've got one of them or two of them climb, clambering up the uh, Dartford Crossing on the Elizabeth Bridge at the M25. I think we've got a little bit of video here to share. Have a look at this. So my friend, so my friend and I have climbed up here today. We're going to stay here until government makes a meaningful statement that they will end new licensing and consents for oil and gas extraction in the UK and that they will start an emergency transition to renewable energy that we need funded by the fossil fuel companies and the rich. We're out of time. Please join the resistance. You don't have to climb a bridge but any simple act of disobedience would just stop oil. We're meeting daily at 11 a.m. Any simple act of disobedience that you can do is all that we have left to force our criminally negligent government to take basic steps to protect our country, our people, our land and our future. Is that an Australian accent I hear? It seems like a lot of Australians seem to come here and then hurl themselves uh, onto onto the ground and glue themselves to things. Um, why on earth are we listening to a bunch of lunatics who think the world is about to end? I have no idea. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, if they've climbed a bridge, let them stay up there. Yeah. You know, there's no need for the rest of the world to come to a halt. Let's just keep going and keep everything normal. Let them stay up there for as long as they like and then come down when they like. Yeah, I think that's absolutely very sensible. But, I mean, it's starting to reach epic proportions now. It always happens, of course, during half-term holidays uh, and other holidays because most of the bozos who do it are either students or lecturers, it seems to me. Uh, although there is a bit of a sort of a sinister side to it because I was reading over the weekend that there's an awful lot of funding coming from some of these, you know, climate change groups which are supposedly run as charities. I think we, as, as, as the citizens of this country, have got every right to go to those people and say, you are now funding a criminal enterprise, you are funding crime, and we're going to seize your assets. Well, first of all, you've got to prove it, of course, which would mean that there would be a lengthy court process. But what would be very much quicker is simply to deal with every single person who glues themselves to the road or climbs up a thing and then comes down. Uh, what you have to do is to arrest them immediately, not stand round and offer cups of tea and give the traffic time to build up. You arrest them immediately. Uh, in fact, the, the more that I consider this, the more uh, I rather admire Boris Johnson for introducing water cannon, uh, which Theresa May then made him uh, a ditch because she believed it was unkind. Well, you know, you've got to be tough. You remove them. Yeah. Um, and, you know, remove them with as little pain as possible, but remove them. Yeah, absolutely right. And put them in jail because if they keep... Yeah making the same mistake and they keep breaking the same law and they keep committing the same crime they should not be allowed out on the streets to stop them doing it um, and thank you very much indeed great to talk to you and Winnicombe there talking absolute sense as ever uh, on lockstep you might say with me on pretty much every single subject that means actually we agree as opposed to lockstep between Quasi Kwarteng uh, and Liz Truss who didn't agree uh, because otherwise he'd still be in the job 0344 499 1000 we'll take your calls coming up and we'll find out what is wrong and what is rotten at the heart of the Metropolitan Police.
Dirty Talk, Plain Talk, Unrivaled Talk, Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old-fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham. See it, hear it, think it. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham right here on Talk TV. Well, here we are. It's 11.05. It is Monday. Uh, We are expecting an announcement from the Chancellor uh, at any moment now. Now, you might say, who is the Chancellor? Of course, I would have to tell you it's Jeremy Hunt, uh, who wasn't the Chancellor last time I did a show. It's that simple. Last Friday, he wasn't the Chancellor. Um, Kwasi Kwarteng was the Chancellor, but he got fired during my show. Uh, Sometime later that afternoon, Jeremy Hunt was made Chancellor. He's been giving a few interviews over the course of the weekend, seemingly trashing Liz Truss's economic policy, uh, but at the same time supporting her as Prime Minister. Um, I'm not quite sure how that works, but I'm sure it will all come out in the wash. Anyway, he will be making a statement very shortly. We will bring it to you as soon as we have it. Peter Hitchens is here with me from the Mail on Sunday. Uh, He knows about as much about what's coming out in it as I do. Uh, which is not very much. But what we do expect to happen is that he will probably reverse almost all of the tax cuts that were put in there. We're hearing uh, that he is poised to announce that there will be an end to the energy price guarantee uh, coming in the spring. In April, basically, the universal aspect of it will end, which means probably they'll somehow means test it, which they always said they couldn't do because that was too expensive to figure out. And it was easy just to give it to everybody, even though it's not really a cap even though what she said about 2,500 being the most she would ever pay turned out not to be true. It's hard, hard, I don't know how I can keep up with all this stuff. Fortunately, I'm very agile and I'm on my feet because you need to be in this day and age. Literally anything could happen. Some people in the Tory party want this trust out. Some people wanted to stay. We spoke to Richard Graham just before the news. He said that this was going to be the right thing to do. This new policy, even though he didn't know what it was. So... Anyway, stick with us. We will bring you everything as it comes, as it happens, and uh, we will give you suitable analysis of it as well, because who better uh, than to analyse the situation than the veteran of politics in this country, Mr Peter Hitchens. Peter. Morning. Um, I hope you don't mind me saying you didn't know what was going to come next. Not at all. I don't, think, uh, <laughs> I don't think anybody does. And the good thing about you and I is that we can admit that. Yes. Um, you know, we're not frightened of admitting we don't know something, unlike many politicians who pretend that they do know and they support something until it becomes unsupportable and then they don't support it. And some of them pretend they can be prime minister and they turn out not, well, not to be able to handle it. I mean, plotters are us, are all over the place. There's people yeah. plotting against uh, Liz Trust. There's people plotting... On behalf of Jeremy Hunt, there's people plotting on behalf of Rishi Sunak, there's people plotting against the plotters. Yes, but what is all this for? What is it going uh, on? Well, because the Conservative Party has lost any purpose. Mm. And this has finally become apparent. It's, it has finally disappeared up its own... Um, it has, what, dodo-like. What you would call it. <laughs> and there it is, it's gone, because it, it has for many years not had any purpose for existing. It's just been a vehicle for ambitious people. Yes. And I think Liz Truss exemplifies those ambitious people. They've uh, sort she, of reached the, the end she, of the cul-de-sac uh, with her, haven't they? Well, I said at the weekend, she bought her, she bought her policies and her ideas mm. off eBay. She, yeah. Uh, they weren't the ideas she used to have. They, she, they just seemed to her to be the ones that mm. would sell well at the time. And they didn't. Uh, she completely misread her market, as, uh, and indeed she completely misread the world markets and the bond markets and the currency markets, as we now see. So we have a chance. Well, first of all, she fired her chancellor mm. uh, for doing what she told him to, which is an un- unusual reason yes, for firing somebody. it is. And now she's got an, a, a new <laughs> chancellor who tells her what to do, as far as I can right. see. But she still has to pretend to be prime minister until they can find somebody else who they can all agree on, somebody mm. who, who nobody dislikes enough 
to stop from becoming prime minister. It's not they, they're not going to pick the new prime minister on the basis that everybody wants him, mm. but that, that not very many people don't want yes. him. Which is why I'm guessing that Jeremy Hunt is rising in the stakes on this matter because he doesn't ha- actually have that many enemies. Not many I'm friends. Su- I'm surprised but not many enemies. that he has a lot of enemies in the country. I would say a lot oh, of people well. don't trust him. A lot of people feel that uh, he is not a man uh, who has any particular convictions. He's, no. he's a steward. He's a sort of administrator. He's the well, kind exactly. of guy you put in charge of the council um, because everybody else is on strike. But we are calling in the administrators, aren't we? At the well, so it, somebody actually said that he had the look when he was being interviewed the other day uh, of a man who'd been called into a sort of second division football club that had just gone into bankruptcy. And he Se- was going to be, second division, yeah, eh? And he was going to, sure. yeah. Might, might be lower down than that, actually. <laughs> well, maybe so. Probably championship, as they call it now, uh, League Three. But, but certainly he doesn't exude what I would call international statesman-like behaviour. No, but since the, his, his, his soon-to-be predecessor, if we're right about this, not only does not exude it, but actually repels it, yes. it's not really a terrible disadvantage, is it? It's just trying to find somebody who isn't as bad. Right. I suppose more importantly... Negative characteristics yes. of, of the top... More importantly, are we now living in a in a time, and you might say we always have been, where policy, financial policy in particular, fiscal policy, is dictated by the markets? Because well, it, it has be. to be. And that was there was never any particular doubt about that. Every everybody who deals with, I, I remember Clinton's people complaining years ago how the, the real the real rulers of the world were the bond markets, yeah. and that's the case. Every government knows it, it has to borrow money. It depends on that. And if the interest rates get too high, then it, it's had it. So there are limits. What uh, what Liz Truss didn't. Seem to realise, or quasi quite was that those limits were really real and did not allow her to just play around. You could, I, I long, of course, as everybody pays tax does to pay less tax, but I've never had any illusions that the only way to reduce the tax burden is to spend less money. Mm. We're a tremendously high spending government, yeah. and we're a country which has been, which for some years been persuaded that it can have European-style welfare state and social benefits uh, and, uh, and high-spending projects at the same time as having American levels of tax. Mm. Can't do it. No. And it, and, and it, I mean, I have to say, uh, I, I'm outraged at the behaviour of the President of the United States in actually publicly criticising our government because it's none of our business. Right. But alas, he's right. Well, this is the problem, though, because I was talking to my sister last night about life in general, and she has been a a currency trader, a bond trader, all sorts of things, all throughout the last 30 or odd years. And she was saying that there were times in in pre-kind of... um, what what you would call computer times because everything now is sort of fixed in yeah. and the, the, the you know the price fixes are all in the computers have got stops on them so there can't be no company collapses but the currencies would sometimes move 10 cents in a day that you would have you know dollar yen conversations where you know basically the the the, the, the currencies would would ratchet up and ratchet back down again and nothing actually changed around no, the that's world I, i'm pretty certain that's because the people on the markets know how to get them to cut them down they can make uh, they can make a few thousand yeah uh, and they made money on the way every, up, time, every time it does exactly it. So that's just that's, that's just sort of book but what i'm saying is is that you know the, the you know the dreaded graph that was put out when the pound was slumping against the dollar which meant it was actually going down by like one cent the graph was constructed in such a way that the drop looked like that yeah when it should have actually looked like that Maybe. I, I, do, I do think that there was something quite serious that happened over that budget. Mm. I think people th- looked at it and they thought, these guys don't have a clue. Yeah. And it wasn't so much that they thought the policies were wrong or right, but that they, the people yeah. who were implementing it right. didn't know what they were yeah. doing. And I think that did engender. And so it has now proved, because we've now got a situation where Liz Truss has basically reversed practically everything that she wanted to do. 
But the reason she wanted to do it was she said that was the way to get growth. So now, presumably, she doesn't want to get growth, even though they keep now saying we're going to get growth by doing the complete opposite of what was suggested. Well, the problem is growth is difficult in the kind of economy we decided to have, and it's much more difficult in the kind of economy we decided to have during the COVID, COVID panic, yeah. when the magic money tree was stripped of every last leaf on its branches. Mm. And now that they, they, they keep running back to the magic money tree and it's still not producing any more leaves, it's gone. Mm. So they'll have to plant a new one. But I, the, the, the only result of that will be more and more inflation and higher and higher borrowing and higher and higher taxes to pay for it. Yeah. So unless they can snap out of that cycle, which would involve an almost total change in so many profound policies and could not be done overnight, if you wanted to really change the course of this country, it would be a long, slow business. Mm. Uh, whichever route you took, and it's, it's not, you're not going to be able with one, with one budget. As I said at the weekend, it, you know, trying to, to revive the British economy with, with these measures is like giving a, a hobbling pensioner a handful of amphetamines, an electric shock and a can of Red Bull and expecting him to, 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 to enter the Olympics. Well, we've now got some breaking news. The oh, Chancellor, great. Jeremy Hunt, has announced the government will scrap plans to reduce the basic rate of income tax from 20% to 19% in April of next year. So there goes that one. A move that had been forecast would cost the Exchequer uh, almost... 5.3 billion. Um, the government uh, has also are going to ditch plans for new VAT free shopping for international tourists. I never knew where that one came from. That was the most ridiculous mm -hmm. of all. Mr Hunt says um, uh, that they will hear more uh, from his plan coming very shortly. The point is this. I mean, the VAT free shopping for international tourists was bonkers to me. Everybody that I know who was in business in this country said what they should do is reduce the VAT in general. You know, like make it 15% or make it even 10% and that will stimulate growth all Some, over the place. Somebody's been lobbying them and they, and they bought it. I think the thing to watch for here is what, is what he says about welfare payments mm. and, what the, and, and, and whether they're going to keep yeah. those, as it were, index linked. or whether Well, most of the forecasts seem to be around the only thing staying uh, is the national insurance um, reversal, which they, yeah. will, which they will stick with. But almost everything else is out the well, window. Well, I think that's been enacted. It would be really quite complicated to go back on it, as yeah. I understand it. Yeah, I think so, because that's been in since July, hasn't it, yeah. more or less. But, I mean, it is a ridiculously crazy way to run a government, because even if um, Jeremy Hunt remains as Chancellor and doesn't become Prime Minister, um, as you say he might, then somebody else comes in, she disappears... And it becomes just a very horrible well, that, market for its history. Let's discuss politics rather than the, the, the political gossip of who's in, who's mm. up and who's down, who's out. Let's discuss what governments ought to be doing and, and why they're in this mess and, yeah. and why they've okay. completely run out of ideas. Because mm. this is really the point. Both the major political parties and the Liberal Democrats have all accepted a set of, of beliefs, which, amongst other things, commit them to incredibly expensive forms of government. Mm which inevitably involves large amounts of borrowing and high levels of taxation. To come into the middle of this and proclaim, oh, I'm going to take you back to the levels of taxation of 1928, yeah. or whatever it was, it's completely un unrealistic. Mm. You have to examine the whole basis. This is why economics used to be called political economy. It's actually about deciding what you're going to raise money in tax yeah. for. And, and, and how are you going to spend and, and it? And how you're going to continue to pay for it, and how you're going to, while doing so, maintain an economy that will enable people and businesses to pay those taxes. And at the moment, they can't. They find it really difficult. This, this kind of thing can put a company out of business. Mm. And many companies and, have gone out of and, business. And people out of work. And there were people, you yourself included, predicting that this moment would come. And nobody, nobody um, believed you. Well, I, I, I think perhaps they knew, but they thought they probably wouldn't be around when it came. Yeah. This is what generally happens. With, with well, I was of the they, opinion. They do disastrous things. Yeah. The disaster happens. By then, they're enjoying their I was of the opinion at the time, and you might remember that I said this, I thought it was such a mammoth investment in what they were doing. It was such a huge amount of money 
that surely to heavens they must have had a plan to deal with that and maybe they just invent some more money. This is the which, mistake that people make. Yeah. That they think that because politicians are good at appearing to be competent and in charge and level-headed and intelligent, that they really are. Mm. But actually they've all been schooled these days by very clever public relations men and, and acting tutors yeah. and voice tutors to look as if they're more intelligent and more serious. And obviously Liz Truss is off are. that day. Well, I mean, it's, <laughs> I think it's, it's still, I, I still can't, I remember back when uh, back when she posed in that tank, yeah, uh, when she, with a with a with a tortoise on her head, uh, that ridiculous photograph when people said she she was pretending to be Margaret Thatcher. Mm. And I, she, she, she actually genuinely thinks it began to dawn. She genuinely thinks that she is like Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Well, she wasn't. No, she couldn't have been. She and, and it's uh, the the. <laughs> the, 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 I don't know whether you saw Dominic Lawson's column in the Sunday Times yesterday, mm. uh, saying that uh, well maybe she actually was a, 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 a party sleeper from the start. <laughs> well, it would seem I mean, that it, way. It, uh, it's, it's a more plausible explanation than some of the others. It certainly is. A conf confirmation, by the way, that the um, energy bill help that all house households have got will only last until April. Jeremy Hunt says he will announce a review to look at a new approach to target support at those who are worst off. That will be after April. Um, we'll be back. I think we'll all be worse off by the time April comes around. Peter Hitchens is here. I'm Mike Graham. Uh, more coming on the Chancellor's announcements next. Nationwide, by your side, talk radio and talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republic of Mike Graham. We are expecting to see Jeremy Hunt's statement very, very shortly. We'll bring that to you as soon as we possibly can. Peter Hitchens is here. Uh, so far, what we know is that the uh, universal help for energy bills will end in April uh, for all but those who are the most needy. I'm not quite sure how Jeremy Hunt's review will judge people to be needy. I don't know whether it will mean that only those uh, under a certain income level uh, will, will win. Don't know. Basic rate of income tax from 20% to 19%, which was due to be reduced in April of next year, is now not going to happen. So, I mean, apart from anything else, Peter, I mean, a lot of people would have benefited from that who were less well-off, wouldn't they? Well, yes, they would. Uh, but, the, though, in fact, the real, the, the real problem with the tax system at the moment, and the one which is increasingly scandalous, is the way that the supposed higher rate uh, now kicks in lower and lower and lower because they don't raise it in, in line with inflation, right. and that is really punishing middle class people. But yeah, yeah sure, it's, it, it would have it, it would have been a, a, a wider benefit, and I think it was stuck in to the emergency budget to offset the outrage at the, at the concessions to the rich. Mm. Uh, but since most of those have gone, I suppose it's, uh, it's they might as well get rid of that as well. I, they can't; they're not really in a position to give money away because they haven't. Got any money? Mm. That, that 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 and that is basically the realization. Sorry, we made a terrible, example, terrible mistake. But one of the other things that they've done um, is not only have they not given money away, but they're now upped the corporation tax, which they said they weren't going to do. Well, yeah, that is a really um, serious, and that is a serious it's problem. It's a serious blow, and it's a it's a curious thing for a conservative government. To yes, make. it really is because uh, that's, that's not doing. That's not cancelling a, a tax cut. That is actually. Cancelling, leaving the tax where it was, it and putting it up by six. It's very, it's very bad news for a lot of businesses. Yeah, and they, and, and I think the result of it will, will be people losing their jobs because you're, you're simply saying to business, we're, we're taking more of your money yeah. away. Well, okay, but that that means that it's just simply going to be much more expensive to run a business, mm. and that 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 was a, I think, a pretty widely d desired and applauded move, and it's gone. Yeah. Well, this is the thing. I mean, business 
needs as much help as it can get because the energy prices have affected business in a way much worse than it has affected you and I and or you know domestic also, households. Giving giving tax concessions to individuals, you know, people look at them and say, well, these people are, are doing fine as it is, and mm. they, they can cope with a bit less money. But if you take money from business, you do actually have an effect on the business, and businesses employ people. Mm. They also have to set prices. Uh, in the market for their goods, and they, they, those prices have to go up. Yeah. So it it, it does everything is it's going. It's quite up. different from from I mean, people saying, "Oh, well, you should tax business," as if business was just a a, a milch cow that mm. could just have stuff sucked out of it. If you tax business heavily, you discourage business. Yeah, because this country is run by small businesses. It's not run by multinationals. It's not run by you know global organisations. I was hearing a story the other day that I think Mini. Uh, which is now owned by, I think, BMW, BMW. Uh, is moving um, one of its manufacturing bases out of Britain and into China purely and simply because the energy costs of running the factory are simply, you know, un un unsustainable. Well, this is what multinationals do. They, yeah. they don't they, they don't have any national loyalty. They move rationally to wherever they can they can operate yeah. most, most profitably. No, but if it's and why of, wouldn't they? But it's because of the specifically because of the cost of the energy. Because in not every country the energy uh, is cheaper. You know, <laughs> China of course makes well, a lot of its energy with coal fired yeah, power stations. Absolutely right. Which, which absolutely we, right. And we I'm used told to have Tesla, those. We blew them up. And I'm told Tesla was manufacturing um, batteries in Germany. Uh, is now moving that to Texas because, again, the energy price of manufacture in Germany is too high. Well, German energy is a, is a, is one of the great tragedies of modern times. This, the, the much the much praised Angela Merkel pretty much destroyed Germany's energy basis. Yeah. Uh, well, she not only destroyed the energy; she destroyed the entire country. Uh, she's now no longer looked and and this is a woman who was praised during the COVID um, outbreak initially because she was a scientist and obviously very clever. I couldn't, I, it was one of those unbearable things. I kept hearing people saying what a marvellous chancellor she was. And I went, why? Yeah. And eventually, of course, it, it comes around and people say, oh, Angela Merkel, she was terrible. But I said so at the time. But yeah. what, what good does it do? <laughs> you must get tired of saying I that. I do. I said so at the time. I Let's do. have a listen now and a watch of the new chancellor, um, Jeremy Hunt. Good morning. A central responsibility for any government is to do what's necessary for economic stability. This is vital for businesses making long-term investment decisions and for families concerned about their jobs, their mortgages and the cost of living. No government can control markets, but every government can give certainty about the sustainability of public finances. And that is one of the many factors that influence how markets behave. And for that reason, although the Prime Minister and I are both committed to cutting corporation tax, on Friday she listened to concerns about the mini-budget and confirmed we will not proceed with the cut to corporation tax announced. The Government has today decided to make further changes to the mini-budget and to reduce unhelpful speculation about what they are. We've decided to announce these ahead of the medium-term fiscal plan, which happens in two weeks. I'll give a detailed statement to Parliament this afternoon and answer questions from MPs. But because these decisions are market-sensitive, I've agreed with the Speaker the need to give an early, brief summary of the changes, which are all designed to provide confidence and stability. Firstly, we will reverse almost all the tax measures announced in the Growth Plan three weeks ago that have not started parliamentary legislation. 
So whilst we will continue with the abolition of the health and social care levy and stamp duty changes, we will no longer be proceeding with the cuts to dividend tax rates, the reversal of off-payroll working reforms introduced in 2017 and 2021, the new VAT-free shopping scheme for non-UK visitors, or the freeze on alcohol duty rates. Secondly, the Government's current plan is to cut the basic rate of income tax to 19% from April 2023. It is a deeply held Conservative value, a value that I share, that people should keep more of the money they earn. But at a time when markets are rightly demanding commitment to sustainable public finances, it is not right to borrow to fund this tax cut. So I've decided that the basic rate of income tax will remain at 20%, and it will do so indefinitely until economic circumstances allow for it to be cut. Taken together with the decision not to cut corporation tax and restoring the top rate of income tax, the measures I've announced today will raise every year around £32 billion. Finally, the biggest single expense in the growth plan was the energy price guarantee. This is a landmark policy supporting millions of people through a difficult winter. And today I want to confirm that the support we are providing between now and April next year will not change. But beyond that, the Prime Minister and I have agreed it would not be responsible to continue exposing public finances to unlimited volatility in international gas prices. So I'm announcing today a Treasury-led review into how we support energy bills beyond April next year. The objective is to design a new approach that will cost the taxpayer significantly less than planned, whilst ensuring enough support for those in need. Any support for businesses will be targeted to those most affected, and the new approach will better incentivise energy efficiency. The most important objective for our country right now is stability. Governments cannot eliminate volatility in markets, but they can play their part, and we will do so, because instability affects the prices of things in shops, the cost of mortgages, and the values of pensions. There will be more difficult decisions, I'm afraid, on both tax and spending, as we deliver our commitment to get debt falling as a share of the economy over the medium term. All departments will need to redouble their efforts to find savings, and some areas of spending will need to be cut. But as I promised at the weekend, our priority in making the difficult decisions that lie ahead will always be the most vulnerable. And I remain extremely confident about the UK's long-term economic prospects as we deliver our mission to go for growth. But growth requires confidence and stability, and the United Kingdom will always pay its way. This government will therefore take whatever tough decisions are necessary to do so. Chancellor Jeremy Hunt there taking the tough decisions, um, saying that uh, pretty much everything that was announced in the mini-budget uh, is now going to be reversed. Peter Hitchens is here. What do you make of that? Well, apart from anything else, it's the most extraordinary slap in the face for the continuing Prime Minister. Yeah. 
uh, within a few days, her principal policies had been cancelled, and they'd been cancelled on a television screen by somebody else apart from her, yeah. uh, who she's appointed, uh, having sacked the person who used to be her chancellor. Mm. And he's now plainly telling her what to do. The other fascinating thing about it is this, that this ought to be announced in Parliament, and uh, in normal circumstances it would have been, mm. and as Mr. Hunt has admitted, uh, he, he had a special permission from the Speaker to announce it now, uh, because it was more important that it should be announced to the markets yeah. uh, than to Parliament. And therefore, we get an interesting uh, nod to the idea that many of us have sometimes, which is that the markets have more of, uh, influence over yeah. government policy than Parliament does. Right. Uh, it's a fascinating moment in our history. It takes one back a bit to the ERM times, I think. You see a, a level of, I won't say panic, but a level of concern as great as mm. this. I, it's, uh, and shortly before... And there's more to come. Yeah. The other vital thing about that statement, he was absolutely blunt, there's more and worse to come. This mm. isn't this isn't by any means the end of it. And basically everything has gone, hasn't it? I mean, even up into and including um, the IR35 stuff, which is of much interest to obviously an awful lot of people in our business. Yes. No, it's it, it, it's just gone. It, it, it's the whole thing has been it has been cancelled, as the word goes these days. And I, I the. the Humiliation for the government and for the Prime Minister mm. is considerable, but uh, there you are. We've and in no other business could the person who had come up with all of that, i.e. Liz Truss, would that person still be in charge? Well, time uh, moves in, in, in fast and slow in politics. I, I don't know how quickly uh, developments will now take place. Yeah. But the thing that I think restrains her, the Tory party from replacing her is, is uh, trying to find somebody who they can agree on. Yeah. And also, maybe if they the could markets, find that, then, they, then I think she would be gone. And maybe the markets might have, a, might have a view. You know, perhaps they'd like to ask the markets who they'd like to see as prime minister. Well, the market obviously does have a view, and the, the main view is that, that, that her and her policy that her policies have to go. Mm. Uh, that's more important than whether she goes or not. And the presence of, of Jeremy Hunt, who's plainly doing the Treasury's bidding, because he's not an economics expert himself, he's never, right. never been a Treasury person before, uh, basically the Treasury is now in charge, and, mm. uh, and, and Liz Truss is not, and that will reassure the markets to the extent that they can be reassured. Mm. And also will the, the, the promise of, of, of more to come. Mm. Uh, so I, uh, that job is done. The, 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 the economic side is, comes first. The political side is slightly more tricky and comes later. And, of course, there is the ridiculous position of a of a political party which keeps changing its leader, yeah. which it, it, it cannot now avoid calamity, doing calamity, isn't it? It's a, a calamity, is it not? Well, yes, in a way, but then, of course, the, the other point is this. It, our politics have for a long time been troubled by, by what are basically dead political parties mm. which stand for nothing, and this is a, a direct consequence of this, that they that this flailing around for, for wild impractical policies to try and make up for the fact they have no real ones has led to this. It might conceivably lead to a very badly needed reconstitution of British politics in which we need two new parties, mm. basically, to replace the two dead ones, yeah. which stand for nothing and don't represent the people who vote for them. Mm. Very, very interesting. Peter, thank you very much My indeed. Pleasure. Peter Hitchens there uh, with his take on what the Chancellor has just said. Let's now go to Mark Littlewood, who's the Director General of the Institute for Economic Affairs, uh, and see what he makes of it. Well, Mark, a very good morning to you. Good morning, Mike. Good to be with you. Yeah, thanks for joining us. I mean, you were one of those who would have been said to be in support, generally speaking, of the mini budget, as I was, uh, because I thought that it was the right thing to do at the right time. Obviously, the markets didn't agree. Um, we now appear to have government by financial brokers. It's a fair point, Mike. And uh, Peter Hitchens has already pointed out this uh, slightly odd breach of standard protocol. Mm. That a statement like this would usually be given at the dispatch box of the House of Commons. But 
Look, I would say on, on, on that point, if, if the government wishes to borrow money on the open market, then the open market is an important part of the consideration. And the money markets have said, we are getting more and more nervous about lending you money. We're not sure your medium or long-term plan adds up. Uh, now, if the government ignores uh, those signals from the, from the markets, uh, they really are imperiled. In my ideal world, the government wouldn't need to borrow money from the money markets, but that ideal world is many decades away if we ever get there at all. The only thing that survived this, as far as I can see, Mike, and I've just been sort of scrolling through my phone as the announcements were make, uh, have been made, was that the national insurance uh, rise has been cancelled, so that sticks, uh, and the stamp duty changes on uh, homes of £250,000 or, uh, right. or, or less, that sticks. That's it. That's the only bit that survives. The bit, I mean, I was keen at the direction of travel of the mini-budget. The bit that worried me, I didn't realise the markets would be as worried as they were because mm. the markets have shown an unbelievable tolerance in government spending money that they do not have. Um, unfortunately, when the music stopped on that for Liz Truss and Quasi Kwarteng, they were left holding the parcel. Yeah. But the bit I was highly sceptical about was the energy support package, which was ludicrously overgenerous, the biggest uh, welfare spending package, I think, ever announced by any British government. Uh, that was a straight subsidy across the board. If you were a multi-billionaire with three indoor swimming pools, the government was going to subsidise your heating of those indoor swimming pools. I'm delighted that common sense has prevailed here and that Jeremy Hunt's saying that there will be a much more targeted and cheaper package. Clearly, there needs to be support for those who are at the tough end and are facing heat-not-eat decisions, but that doesn't ne mean that you needed that bazooka that the government fired. The whole row about that was cut short, if you remember, mm. Mike, because two, two or three hours after announcing it, Her Majesty the Queen tragically died. Yes. But that was a huge part of their overall uh, budgetary uh, position. And really, what the, I think that the, the long-term lesson here will be that the government didn't show sufficient spending constraint. The tax cuts were indeed unfunded, but they weren't the biggest part of the package. All the spending was unfunded, and it was becoming increasingly hard to work out what areas of state spending the government were going to be willing to cut. Was there going to be a public sector pay freeze? Were they going to cancel HS2? What were they actually going to do to save tens of billions of pounds? They showed no real appetite to do that. They gave a sort of nod to it that we'll, we'll address this at some point in a medium-term plan. But... We've now been running budget deficits for 20 years, Mike. The national debt is through the roof. Uh, I think the time's come where uh, we need a serious discussion about spending priorities. If we well, want I mean, more on the NHS, the time... we're not going to be able to have the triple lock pension. Those sort of yes. trade-offs we've got to get serious about. And surely we must address the huge amounts of waste in the civil service, the huge amounts of waste in, in the NHS and all the places where public spending goes because in the end we'll hear the whinings of the left saying oh we can't cut more benefits we can't cut back on public spending we must spend more and more and more and we've been driven by that mantra for so long now um, and I wonder what you make of this Peter Hitchens said that it wasn't so much that the city objected to the, the amount of money involved it was more that they looked at Kwasi Kwarteng and Liz Truss and thought these two don't know what they're doing and that was the reason that the markets sort of fell out of love with the mini budget rather than the amounts of money itself. Because, as you, as you say, Mark, we've spent more money than that um, in a couple of months during the pandemic. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point, Mike. It's always extremely difficult to look at a market move and identify one particular feature that led to it. There's a whole multitude of different things that were going on. I mean, now lost in the mists of time was whether the bank should have put interest rates up.
more prior to the mini budget and indeed more over the past couple of years. We've been living off, we've been getting drunk on cheap credit for a very, very long time now. Mm. Uh, there, I think you're right about the political issue and that will be exacerbated now, right? I mean, Liz Truss's position as Prime Minister is, is uh, less stable now than it was two weeks ago. So there's a multitude of things that come together. But I think underlying it has been many, many years of a complete lack of spending constraint. Uh, that, I think, was exacerbated by the government's move, uh, certainly on the energy package, but then a slightly cavalier approach to, and this is just the start, we're going to find much more tax cuts almost immediately, mm. with not even a back of the fag packet, this is how we're going to save 100 billion in the public sector, that, let alone an OBR forecast, there wasn't even a kind of table of contents from Her Majesty, His Majesty's Treasury on, on uh, how to begin to balance the books. So you then get that, once that credibility goes, the, the markets get more and more worried about uh, lending you money. So at some point, I don't expect that this to happen this week, Mike, or even next, but at some point, uh, both political parties are going to have to have a serious discussion about spending priorities. And oddity of all of this is actually the tax policy position of the government after so many screeching U-turns is now almost mm. identical to that of the Labour Party. I'm, I'm scratching my head to think what differences <laughs> there are between the two, actually. So well, if everybody's completely agreed now on what the tax envelope is, we've got to have a very serious discussion of what the spending priorities mm. are. Are pensions a higher priority than health? Uh, are benefits going up more important than the triple lock of pensions and so on and so forth? Because a government with a million spending priorities doesn't really have any spending priorities at all and budget deficits will you know continue to be the norm as they have been yeah. for the last 20 years and the markets will get more and more scared about lending us money and that's no uh, medium term or long term plan possibly now it's not even a short term plan yeah. to get through the immediate crisis of the next couple of weeks exactly right i mean the next couple of weeks literally anything could happen um and i'm assuming um mark that you don't expect liz trust to be prime minister of this great nation of ours uh, and when we get to Christmas, if any of us can afford it. Well, it's interesting that I don't know. And, uh, you know, as a believer in markets, we've been mentioning their uh, nervousness about uh, lending the government money. I think she's slightly odds on to be out by the end of the year, but only slightly odds on. It's one hell of a job to stabilise the ship from the position that she now finds herself in. But as Peter Hitchens was saying, it's, it's not really obvious what move either she could make or or conservative dissidents could make to stabilise the ship at this point. And sometimes the status quo prevails in those sort of situations. But to try and get a government, whether led by Liz Truss or somebody else, onto a steady footing is now not just a political matter. It's a, it's a matter of real economic necessity yeah. uh, to steady the markets. And actually, I mean, we've had four chancellors in four months to give you an idea of, uh, of how unbelievably tumultuous British politics has been. Unfortunately, Mike, I'm expecting it to become yet more tumultuous in the coming 48, 96 hours. But at some point, it would be nice to have a short period of peace and tranquility. I don't think we've had that for, what, five, ten years I now. don't remember the last uh, tranquil moment I had on this uh, sitting in this chair. I have to say, Mark, good to talk to you. Thank you very much indeed. Mark Littlewood, Director General of the Institute of Economic Affairs. Um, throwing his hands up in disbelief, really, I think, as we all are, that the mini-budget that only happened two weeks ago has now been completely reversed. Completely. They kept a couple of things, but basically it's in the bin. This is Talk TV. Peter Cardwell coming next. On DAB Plus, on the app, Talk Radio. Edgy Talk, Brain Talk, Unrivaled Talk, Mike Graham. The only radio show you can count on for a proper serving of good old fashioned common sense. In search of the perfect debate, the independent republic of Mike Graham. 
Nationwide, by your side, Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham. This is, of course, the one place where you hear what is really going on uh, in the corridors of power. Uh, the breaking news we seem to be about to break, uh, hasn't actually happened yet, uh, is that Quasi Kwarteng is going to be sacked at some point this afternoon, probably before 2pm when Liz Truss is supposed to be giving a press conference to explain what it is that she's now going to do about the mini-budget, which appears to now be completely in tatters, which appears now to be the subject of another U-turn at the very least on corporation tax. It looks very much as though there will be a new Chancellor announced this afternoon at that press conference, at which point I think everybody will just collectively throw their hands in the air and just exhale a big sigh. Because this is a government, ladies and gentlemen, that does not appear to even know what it's going to do in the next two hours, never mind in the next two days, never mind in the next two weeks. Let's talk to Ryan Saby, Deputy Police Leisure at The Sun. Ryan, a very good afternoon to you. Uh, Fast-moving things at the moment. What are you hearing? Yeah, it seems um, that we'll get um, the confirmation that Kwasi Kwarteng will be sacked as as Chancellor in 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 the next hour or so. I imagine... Um, like most sackings, um, when it comes to cabinet level, it's the prime minister who likes to do it face to face. You always hear during those uh, reshuffles that the ministers get trundled up into the prime minister's office um, to be told they're no longer welcome or they're no longer part of, uh, of the government. And I imagine that's probably what's happening now. Quasi uh, Kwarteng um, arrived at Heathrow about an hour or so ago, has made his way to Downing Street. He's right there now. And um, I imagine the dirty business of the, of the sacking is happening as, as we speak or is about to. Now, the problem I suspect for Liz Truss, though, is that over the last week or so, uh, she and Kwasi Kwarteng have been sort of joined at the hip as the only two people who were really sticking up uh, for the policies that they announced in the mini-budget. So she can hardly separate herself from it, can she? No, th- this this is the really difficult point for, for, for Liz Truss. Um, she built her leadership campaign on on, on, these, on these big tax cuts. Um, Kwasi Kwarteng was with her every, every single step of, step of the way. And even Downing Street this morning... Um, we're talking about three or four hours ago, we're saying um, Quasi and uh, uh, Liz Truss were in lockstep and they're working together on this plan. So how she extricates herself from this um, is, is very, very difficult. And she'll do her best to sort of reset um, her premiership in a way when she holds this press conference. But really, she's tied to these decisions and it's just it's, it's always painful to watch. It's incredible to, to, to watch, isn't it? I mean, because if she does reverse, as, as, as is being t- 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 tanked around, that she is likely to reverse the, uh, the corporation tax uh, decision and put it up to 25% from 19%, she's basically going against her own advice. She spent a great deal of time in hustings, some of which you guys organised, some of which we did, you know, explaining why cutting taxes was the way to growth, explaining why Rishi Sunak's plans to kind of borrow uh, more money and to somehow keep giving money away was not the answer. Well, she's now basically said that everything that she campaigned for is a load of rubbish. Yeah, this was the centrepiece. You know, she went up and down the country um, uh, the hustings telling them exactly what, what her plans were. This was her, this was a part of her plan for growth. Um, she the, the markets have been in absolute turmoil um, over the over the over the past few weeks, and uh, she's got to find to try and find a, a way out of this. But the trouble with with all these decisions is that her authority is um, is absolutely shot. If she can't get the centerpiece of her leadership campaign and what she's um, and what she's what she's talked up in the in the past few weeks. Where does she stand? And where does this leave all those Tory MPs who are circling at the moment? And where does that leave them in terms of who they want to see 
whether they want to see her carry on as leader or whether they want to uh, see someone else uh, in charge. And if this is all a pooch, uh, if, if you like, by the Rishi Sunak brigade and his um, uh, supporters, people who thought that he would be better uh, put in charge of the economy, uh, where does he figure in all of this? Is there a chance that he gets asked back to be Chancellor under Liz Truss? There, there, I, can't, I find it very, very difficult to see Rishi Sunak coming uh, coming back in any way. There, he was he was asked this um, during, during over over the summer. Um, she had the opportunity to put him into uh, to cabinet, and obviously that that that, that wasn't forthcoming. But um, there has been talk of, of Tory MPs trying to come up with a, with a dream ticket, and the two names that keep coming up: um, Penny Morden and Rishi Sunak. Um, you'd have Rishi as prime minister and, and Penny Morden as a as as the, as the chancellor. But again. Is that really going to unite unite the party? Um, you then have you know have all the Liz Truss um, fans and supporters in 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 the party would be absolutely aghast at this. Yeah. So actually holding that coalition together is going to get increasingly difficult as uh, I say as the days and weeks go on, as the hours go yeah. on. I mean, well, this is it. So I quickly. mean, I said, I mean, I wasn't, uh, I didn't have my tongue in my cheek when I said they don't even seem to know what they're going to do over the next two hours, never mind over the next two days. But I mean, I don't see how unity is achieved by putting a man in charge uh, who was not elected in a fair election. Uh, he lost that election inside the Conservative Party. Enough people have said that that's not enough people to elect a prime minister of this country. Surely to put somebody in who didn't even win the election of just a few uh, thousand people, if you like, um, that's not going to unite the party, never, and it's certainly not going to unite the country. No, exactly. And I think if you look back at the, the what would the Tory member, members do? I mean, they'd be ripping up their, their cards and uh, leaving a, a pace. I, I just can't see Rishi Sunak coming back under, under a Liz Truss government. And um, this, is, this is the the Tory MPs and uh, the, even the ministers are really, really angry at the way that um, she didn't try and make that church broad, you know, that Conservative Party and that government broad and invite um, Rishi Sunak supporters, um, those who backed him in the leadership contest, into government. Um, and that's one of, her, one of her main failings, really. I think if she had set out from the very, very beginning that she wanted to be an all-encompassing government and reflect the whole party, I think she'd be in a better position than what she is today. I think you're absolutely right. Listen, Ryan, I know you've got a busy time ahead of you this afternoon. Thanks very much for sparing uh, a few minutes to speak to us. Ryan Sabi, Deputy Solicitor of The Sun. We await news, confirmed news, that Kwasi Kwarteng has been fired or is about to be fired or is literally being fired as we speak. Uh, press conference supposedly at 2 o'clock from Liz Truss. Let's go uh, slightly off to the side, talk to Dave Ward, CWU General Secretary. Uh, he is, of course, the man who represents uh, the unions at the Royal Mail. Royal Mail announcing this morning uh, that they're going to lose 10,000 people, uh, some through what they're saying is voluntary redundancy. We had a caller, Dave, a very good afternoon to you, uh, in this troubled afternoon afternoon that we've got here. Um, We had a caller this morning, Mick from Bromley, he's a postie, uh, who said that a lot of what uh, the Royal Mail is claiming uh, is a load of old cobblers. What do you say? Well, I agree with what Mick is saying. Um, And let me be absolutely clear Uh, The reason why this announcement has taken place today is it's part of a tactic in our ongoing dispute. We've been warning about Royal Mail's mismanagement of the company for months and months now, and it is gross mismanagement. This company has gone from record profits only back in April to now saying they're losing a million pounds a day and they want to blame postal workers for that. What we're doing, Mike, is fighting against the very things that they've shown their hand on today. And let me be absolutely clear, it's going to get worse if we don't succeed in that fight. Because what their real plan is, is to get rid of Royal Mail. It's to turn it into a parcel courier gig economy style 
replace existing postal workers with workers on 20% less pay and also self-employed contracts. Mm. We've been saying this for months. It is a very serious situation. We're not walking away from this dispute. We're fighting for the very future of our members' jobs and the future of the company. Can I also say that there is a bright future for Royal Mail? We had a modernization agreement. They are lying about saying that the union never agreed to modernize. We had an agreement that the company have walked away from. Even yesterday, we're saying to the company, can you explain to us why you've walked away from our agreement? They've stalled talks for six months. Um, you know, I heard you talking there about people being sacked uh, in government um, for some of their failings. Yeah. Well, I have to say, we want to see a government inquiry into the actions of the board, the CEO, who have lost the total confidence of the entire workforce of Royal Mail. Yeah, it certainly does seem to be a shambles. I mean, it could be said, though, could it not, Dave, that you guys going on strike didn't exactly help the matter because now here you are and they're threatening to fire people. Mike, the, the problem that we face is a real one, is that if we just give in to what Royal Mail is saying, then you are going to see the end of daily deliveries to 32 million addresses in the UK. You're going to see postal workers being kicked out anyway, managed out of the business, and they're going to be replaced. It's part of the proposals that Royal Mail put in front of the union to reduce pay by 20% um, and to also bring in self-employed contract workers in front of all of those posties right up and down the UK who have a unique and special relationship with their customers. We cannot accept that. And, you know, we will do any agreement that gives this company a chance to build its future. We've got ideas on that. We've, we had an agreement on it on how we were going to modernise. They've walked away from it. And, it. and I'll tell you now, it is about an asset-stripping business plan. They're not telling the truth, and we want to see the government intervene and actually do a forensic look at their business plan and their accounts. And I'm guaranteeing you now it will back up what we're saying. And you're calling for an urgent meeting with the board um, to put an alternative business plan. So let's have a, a listen to what your alternative business plan is. Okay, so yes, we're calling for an urgent meeting with the board. We've actually written, I could show you the letters, we've been writing for months. So the agreement that we had previously that they've walked away from um, had a strategy for the future of Royal Mail based on three, three things. Capturing parcel growth, um, expanding the role of postal workers in a way that would see local and regional economies grow, um, new products, new services, uh, adding social value as well, many of the things that postal workers do at the moment. Uh, and the third part of the plan was if we could minimise uh, letter decline. Now, that's very difficult. No one's suggesting that you can do that. What this is about, in our view, is they want to bring a new workforce in and turn it into uh, another parcel courier. We want to use the existing workforce um, to develop new ideas, new plans for Royal Mail, where you can deliver and save money by delivering parcels with the letters. So it's the existing employees. And what I would say to you is our plan will be, will be based on leveraging the fact that Royal Mail actually delivers to 32 million addresses every day. What, what Royal Mail are doing is moving away from that completely. It is a mad business plan and it is definitely linked to the potential takeover of Royal Mail by a private equity investment group based in Luxembourg, who are currently already being investigated by the government uh, as part of that takeover bid. What we're asking is, come in and look, get us on there with Simon Thompson, 
I'll come on your show with him anytime you want and we'll debate the truth about what's really going on. Okay, Dave, thanks very much for talking to us. Dave Ward there, CWU General Secretary, uh, says that this is all um, a bit of fake news being put out by Royal Mail who say they want to sack minimum 6,000 people, make those roles redundant. Mick, uh, down in uh, um, uh, South London, Bromley, he was a postie. He said to us that basically this is all about not filling jobs which actually uh, are currently vacant. So that's not really making loads of people redundant. But is it all about selling it off to a private equity company the way lots of things are doing? Uh, Is the Royal Mail in need of uh, some form of modernisation? I don't really get any post anymore. You might use the parcel service quite a lot. I I have a lot of time and respect for posties and people who work for the post office. It's not a pleasant job when you're walking around out in the outside in the wind and the rain and the snow and the sleet and all the rest of it. Um, And I've got a lot of time for the posties. So... If the Royal Mail are messing this up, we need to know. We need to be told. We're going to talk to some more of you, though, uh, because we're right in the midst of another political earthquake. Uh, Peter Cardwell, Talk Radio's Political Editor, is coming up next. We'll take some calls as well. Loads of you to talk to. Uh, and those morons, by the way, from Just Stop Oil, have now just thrown some tomato soup over a Van Gogh painting at the National Gallery. I mean, really, how much more of this are we supposed to put up with? This is Talk TV. See it, hear it, think it. Talk Radio and Talk TV. Welcome back to the Independent Republican, Mike Graham, right here on Talk TV. I think uh, Sir Mac sums it up for us. The men in white coats seen going into Downing Street. I mean, you wouldn't be surprised to see that, would you? Emma says this. Tories are committing political suicide right in front of our eyes. Unbelievable to think we may soon be led by Labour with MPs who are prolific at talking at length without actually saying anything. It will be akin to jumping from a ferocious frying pan into a hellhole. Uh, yeah, not so much a fire uh, as an absolute disaster. Unbelievable what is going on. Let's hear from more of you. Edward's in Coventry. Hello, Edward. Yeah, hello. Good Hi. afternoon. Uh, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Uh, yeah, I think uh, just, I mean, based on that last comment, like, uh, I think I think the Tories, there are. I mean, let's look at time, economic crisis, 12 years. Yeah. Tories, no. Has anything actually benefited anyone in 12 years of Tory government? And I do think that people who voted for the Tories for... For, for each election within that period, they're going to edge towards centre-left now. I think even Keir Starmer, how uncharismatic or how he can be, I think now that's where we're looking at the centre-left. I think with election coming up, that's where people are going to vote. And it always comes at times of economic crisis. Yeah. And I don't think the Tories are costing very well either. Even, and it pains me to say this, because the, even comments on this radio station like regarding the loony left, etc., which Jeremy Corbyn kind of put that, mm. and it was against him. Even he, when he was national debate, they had things costed. Mm. Their manifesto was costed. Yeah. The Tories have never come with anything costed, and I really believe, I don't know what percentage of people, but they're going to vote the other way. Mm. And I believe even media is going to swing the other way. How can you tolerate this? Yeah, this is it's absolutely ridiculous. I mean, even those people at the beginning, even two weeks ago, people who were defending Liz Truss and saying that, you know, she should stick the course, and I was one of them, um, you know, you just can't anymore because not only is she not staying the course, she's completely reversing everything that she said she would do, and now she's sacked the guy who she brought in to do it. She's rebranded the Conservatives as completely incompetent. Yeah. I can't see how they will get a vote. Now, what they've alienated middle-class earners with mortgage payments. People, the, 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 the lenders are just hiking rates, and there's people who have tried work so hard. So that simple Labour message of 
you know, give the workers something back, that will swing these all these election points their way. That, that's what's going to happen. Mm. And and to be honest, as a voter, I'm all for it. So and you're I, ready. Me, you're ready for Keir Starmer. Eh? Uh, anything's better. <laughs> what, what, what's the alternative? What it might not be, though. Put? That's the worry. They could put it taxes up even more. I believe, though, that if they come with a manifesto and we've got to wait two years for mm. another election, hopefully not. But things have got to be costed. Yeah, we might have to wait that long, but anything right now, the alternative is better. Mm. And I believe that people who listen to talk TV who are on the right, uh, whether... Which, whichever part of that spectrum they may be, are they swinging left, mm. the centre left? Because I think Labour have have managed to kind of get, you know, they were tired with that brush of the loony left, etc. But there are there are people out there working their socks off and they're not getting returns. Yeah, yeah okay. First we go down to the supermarket and we buy something one week and it goes up by, you know, X amount of money. And then, yeah, okay, that that hits our pocket, and then it just keeps getting worse. But it's a, it's it's a whole sideshow of politics that we don't want to. We don't want to see that we're going to have another Tory leadership, uh, you know. And then all this backbench fighting, this that people are tired. They are. Um, You're absolutely right. But this is what I was saying earlier, Edward. They ought to show their proper grit and determination to get this country out of the trouble that it's in instead of stabbing each other in the back every single minute they turn around. But a really good point made by Edward there. People who voted for Tory party policy and who voted for this government even um, are sick to death of it. There's nothing now I don't think that Liz Truss can do to pull this back from the brink. I don't think there's any chance that you'll find anyone to support her. There are no Tory MPs right now backing what she's about to do or what she's about to say. Because if there were, we'd be talking to them. Let's talk to Dave in Hampshire. Hi, Dave. Hello, Mike. Yeah, hey. the uh, Tories, I don't think they are Conservatives and never have been since mm. uh, you know they, they came in. We, we've had basically Labour light anyway. Yeah. So I, I don't see the difference between them and, uh, and Keir Starmer at the moment, like mm. the last caller said. They've presided over one catastrophe after the other. The lockdown energy crisis for net zero, migrant crisis. Yeah. None of, well, none of all crises of their own making as well, Dave. Yes, they are. And, you know, I, I am a Conservative voter, but I don't think they are Conservative. I desperately want uh, a party which can look after citizens' rights in this country, not illegal migrants, not uh, net zero and the globalist agenda. Yeah. I, and I don't think we've got one. And neither party are any good. I'm politically homeless. Yeah, I think an awful lot of people are. Um, but this is absolutely shambolic and it's embarrassing now, apart from everything else. Dave, thanks very much indeed. Uh, Mike Graham said this, who would want to be Chancellor now? We know who. The agitator who's brought down Quasi and Liz, the loser from the leadership race, the one that lost at his cronies, subverting democracy. It's disgusting, uh, says Scribble. Uh, Mitch in North London says, Mike, if you're... P- if you, if you're p- uh, I'll try this again. If, as PM, you sack your Chancellor after six months, it looks like he's screwed up. If you sack him after six week, weeks... It it looks like it's you who screwed up. Truss is toast. Liz Toast. That's a new name. Very possibly. Mitch in North London. Let's talk to David in Hertfordshire. No, Herefordshire. David. <laughs> Hiya. How you doing, Mike? Yeah, very well. What's going on? Yeah, just, um, mate, it was a foregone conclusion, I think, that, uh, you know, this is going to happen. Um, I mean, Which bit? Just, well, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, looked, I checked my pensions fund this morning. I'm not even looking at mine. Well, since the 23rd, it's gone down by 14%. Jeez. It's almost, they've, they've nicked the money out of my pocket is how I feel. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it, it, how, can you have a conf- how can you have confidence in 
this government. I mean, I, I think it started with Boris Johnson. I think mm. the laziness. I think they're a lazy government. Yes. And I think they've broken down communications with the civil service and the Home Office. And, you know, I just don't think they can get anything done. I think they I thought think they were so far ahead in the polls and that they had such a big majority that they were kind of untouchable. They're sitting on their hands and doing nothing, it seems. I mean, look at the immigrant crisis. They're doing nothing. It's almost as if they just want them to come in. For, you know, they're going to put them into cheap labour. Yeah. You know, that we used to have in, you know, with... Eastern yeah, but they're America. not even doing that. They're not doing any labour. They're not doing any work. Well, they're putting, putting people into four-star hotels. Yeah. And uh, giving them money. Uh, and, you know, we're all suffering. We're all suffering. Mm. It seems to be a government that thinks, wants to look after illegal immigrants rather than voters and taxpayers. Yeah. It's extraordinary what has gone on, David. Thank you very much indeed in Herefordshire there. It's extraordinary what has gone on uh, in the course of three short years. I mean, we've talked about Brexit. We've been running uh, this station now uh, since I've been on it around about 2017. I think 2018 I was here, here for the uh, for the Brexit um, referendum, of course. Overnight I did that show. Um, everybody was quite surprised to find out that we actually voted to leave. You know, it has been a roller coaster ride for Talk TV, um, for Talk Radio. We've got to this point. But how has it all gone so bleeding wrong? I mean, Liz Truss didn't seem to be incompetent when she got the job. Liz Truss didn't seem to be a woman who would be reckless with the economy. Liz Truss didn't appear to be somebody uh, who would, in fact, drive this country into the sea. But it would appear that that's kind of what she's done. I mean, Liz Truss should tell us what the backbenchers have said and threatened her with. It's about time these plotters were exposed. Our country is imploding. Sunak, etc. are quasi-left-wingers, says Angela. Hmm. Robin says, uh, I warned the public. I hate to say I told you so. I told you this in 2010. A Conservative government would be a disaster. Uh, Robin, I think you're actually going a bit far there. Um, you probably could have told us a lot of things in 2010, um, but what can only be described as a Tory government over the course of the last 12 years has ended pretty much here. I think this is the end, isn't it? I can't see how it isn't the end. If you could tell me how it's not the end, I'd be amazed, because short of a miracle, and I think those have been outlawed, um, she's toast, isn't she? Ian Collins is here. Talk radio across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker. The Independent Republic of Mike Graham on Talk Radio. If you enjoyed that, be sure to catch the whole show 10 to 1, Monday to Friday on Talk Radio via DAB online or via the Talk Radio app. And if you have an opinion on the stories we cover, we'd love to hear from you. Call us on 0344 499 1000 or tweet at Talk Radio during the show to have your say. Mid-morning with Mike Graham. Talk Radio. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.